The Center for Thinking Biblically is a ministry of the Masters University. Visit thinkbiblically.org for more information. I started this lecture series by saying, we really need to think biblically about people. And, and thinking biblically about people, it's important because we, we have to say, well, there are certain categories that are just not helpful. That's not a helpful way to describe a person. But yet there's also categories that are just, it's just wrong. Like that's just not a, it's not a biblical way to describe it. That's not the way God sees people. That's not the way that God has revealed people in his word. And if we're to understand people well, we have to understand the heart. We have to think biblically about the heart. The, the heart is the, it's the center point. It's the control center of why you do what you do. And to talk about your words or to talk about your actions and not talk about the heart, to consider your thoughts and not talk about the heart, we're going to miss a significant part of who we are, that immaterial heart. And what you'll see is that the heart is the center point of our worship. In this lecture, I want to describe the priorities of your heart, what your heart prioritizes, I could also say. You see, go back through that list with me of the functions of your heart, that your heart expresses itself in behaviors and words and thoughts and choices, that when I begin to get down to the root of what really consumes you, what, what really do you get lost daydreaming about? That's a heart issue. What, what is it that you choose every time all the time? That's a heart issue. What is it that you value? What is it that you love? When, when all the cards are down, what is it that you ultimately love? And it may not be exciting to confess that. That is also what you worship. You see, the Bible is going to describe that when I begin to answer, what do I think about? What do I love? What do I desire, etc.? that I'm getting to now, what is my true, what is my functional God? What do I really worship? Now, now, I might come up to you and say, hey, what do you worship? And you'd say, well, you know, I worship the one true God, of course, the God of the Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got it. All right. Now show me your calendar. Show me your saved items that are still in your shopping cart online. You haven't purchased them yet. Show me maybe just how you spend your money. Do those, do those represent worship of the God of the Bible. Do they? Because when I begin to speak to what I ultimately want, think about, desire, value, I'm ultimately speaking to what is my God. Now, you may have not heard the name David Clarkson. That's totally fine. David Clarkson is an English Puritan. He served alongside of John Owen, whom I'm certain you've heard of. He wrote The Mortification of Sin. You see, John Owen, he was kind of like the ringleaders of the English Puritans. Most of the others would refer to him as the Honorable Dr. Owen. And David Clarkson served alongside of him as a co-pastor. David Clarkson actually preached at the funeral of John Owen, if you didn't know that. And he wrote this sermon on secret and soul idolatry. I want to share a quote with you. He said this, Secret and soul idolatry... It's when the mind and heart is set upon anything more than God, when anything is more valued, more intended, anything more trusted, more loved, or one endeavors more for any other thing than God. 
he goes through 12 points and says, what do you ultimately trust? What do you ultimately value? What do you ultimately love? What do you ultimately want? What do you ultimately appreciate? And when you answer those questions, you know what we're finding out? What you ultimately worship. That's what we're finding out. What do you ultimately worship? Grab your Bible. Let's go to Isaiah 44. When we talk about what you ultimately worship, you see, I'm convinced that most of us can say, well, hey, who should you worship? And we would all say, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. That for us, formally, it's not a problem to say, yeah, we know that we should worship God, but functionally is where the divide begins to come. What do I functionally worship? Formally, in Isaiah 44, we see that God declares his position among the nations. Let's start in verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. Who is like me, let him proclaim it. Let him declare and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it, and you are my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. God says, I'm the first. I'm the last. There's no one else. There's no other rock. I know not any. If you continue to read the chapter, you begin to see the foolishness of worshiping something other than God. Literally, that you're going to make a fire with one piece of wood, and the other end of that stick, you're going to carve into an image and you're going to fall down and worship it. Doesn't that seem silly to you? Here we see that throughout biblical narrative that God has exclusively laid claim to your ultimate worship and my ultimate worship. That God will not share our worship. That's great news, by the way. God will not share his glory. God will not share his worship with me. God will not share his worship with what I'm wanting, with what I'm thinking about. The glory that is due to the Lord is his. And yet when my heart begins to think about, desire, choose something else more than it wants God, loves God, chooses God, thinks about God, then David Clarkson would say, well, maybe that's what I'm giving into, secret and soul idolatry. Let me explain why he said secret and soul. It's subtle. It's subtle. It is. It's, it's not overt. You can't reach out and touch it. That it's behind the scenes. It's clandestine. It's hard to see exactly what I'm prioritizing, thinking about, worshiping, meditating on. It's subtle. That's why it's secret and soul. But when anything now begins to take its place over God in my life, I'm engaging in what the scripture would call idolatry. Idolatry. So when God says he is the sole owner of our worship, there is no God beside him. In the first of the Ten Commandments, you are not to worship any other. You are to consider my name as sacred and keep it holy. That you are to give the reverence that is due to God. It is the best news that you could have. The best news. Turn to Matthew 22. And as you're turning there, let me explain to you why it's the best news. The best news is that God wants all of your heart. 
Okay, now it's like, well, isn't that a little stingy, God? Can I give a little bit to my wife? Why is that the best news? Well, because God is the best. His glory is the best. He's the most holy. He's the strongest. He's the most faithful. He's the kindest. So when God says, I want me to be the center of your worship, it is the kindest thing he could do for you and do for me. An unloving thing would be say, you know what? You go for some of those sub-best things, the second-best things. You go delight. Give your heart to those second-best things. Go for it, man. Enjoy yourself. Hope that car fulfills you. Hope the house fulfills you. Hope the career fulfills you. No, when God says, I want your entire heart, it is one of the kindest things that he can do because he is the best. It's the most loving thing he could say. How would it be loving to say, I'm okay with you going and enjoying those secondary things above me? So this idea of God's exclusive claim to the allegiance of our hearts gets us to the priorities of our heart. When I think about man and understanding people biblically, I have to start with the center of why we do the things that we do. And at the center is our heart, that heart that God claims allegiance to. So it's, it's the priority of that heart to worship God and that nothing else would lay claim, nothing else would interfere with the worship of our good God. So Jesus is attempting to be duped here in Matthew 22. What you'll find is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they weren't inquisitive and just trying to get some, some authentic, genuine questions answered by Jesus. They, they have traps and snares, and they're attempting to catch him in his words. So they have one for him. Verse 35 of Matthew 22. A lawyer asked, uh, excuse me, the lawyer asked him a question to test him. See, the lawyer is not just genuinely inquisitive. Teacher, what is the great commandment of the law? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, for this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, any good lawyer, Pharisee, Sadducee would have understood exactly what Jesus was quoting from in Deuteronomy. But note what he says. If you want to summarize, if you want a, a first, if you want a synopsis of what law is the most, then it's this one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. If I understand people from a biblical perspective, I'm now saying you love God with everything you have. Love him with your affections, Love him with your volition. Love him with your cognition. Love him with your desires. Love him with your words. Love him with your actions. Love him with every ounce of your being. Because what takes place is when I love God with all of my heart, you know what corresponds then? My words. I treat you in a way that represents I love God. I speak in a way that represents I love God. My loud neighbor that has the muffler issue and loves to rev it, I love him in a way that represents I want to love God because my actions will be an overflow of a heart that wants to love God, that genuinely loves God. So see this prioritization now. If I understand people biblically and I understand that it's, it's the heart that we're living out, I also see that God has laid claim on that heart 
and said, that heart is to be dedicated to me, that God wants our ultimate thoughts, loves, affections, wants. God wants that. And Jesus says, what's the greatest commandment? It's when you're doing that. You're giving your whole heart, the entirety of your being to God. Thank you for listening to the Center for Thinking Biblically podcast. To help support this ministry, please visit thinkbiblically.org forward slash donate. To learn more about the Master's University on campus and online undergraduate and graduate programs, visit masters.edu.